With Refactor, we give the floor to the awesome and diverse people who make up tech. Take a listen to get incredible insights and glimpses into our future of work. So today, I have the pleasure to um, record an, a new podcast episode of Refactor with Sonia Kataria. I don't know if I pronounce well. I'm sorry if I don't. And she's a software team leader of 3D printing at Signify in the Netherlands. And uh, I find it very interesting to uh, have a conversation with Sonia because uh, I'm going to give you some context. Uh, we first met online because I contacted her on LinkedIn because it was the middle of a pandemic and uh, we felt kind of alone during this pandemic and I wanted to have his point of view about remote working, about uh, management in this new pandemic episode that we were into. And, uh, and then, because our conversation was really cool and, and she's involved in lots of different, very interesting um, uh, activities, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to uh, discuss with her uh, because, uh, because that's it, that a woman with software team leader and she has a lot of things to do. Sonia, thanks for being here with us. Um, so you're based in Amsterdam or Eindhoven? I'm based in uh, Eindhoven. Eindhoven. Yeah. So where, where it is, like, look. Uh, uh, yeah, it's in south of Netherlands, so it's very close to Belgium. Okay, right. And so we are still in a kind of middle of pandemic. Yeah, still. I mean, it seems like it has started all over again. Yeah, yeah. It seems like, it seems like it's the beginning of a new why loop, you know, yeah. why lockdown loop and et cetera, et cetera. Exactly. So we're going to focus to... Um, uh, of, for your experience, you started, uh, so you're, in the, you're from India, yes. and you started um, with um, a background in academics in computer science. Can yeah. you tell us more about your background and your first experience and what led you towards computer science, which is uh, unusual also? Uh, and, 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 and tell us if it's unusual in India for women and, and young women to, uh, to go towards technical and science and computer science uh, background. Yeah, yeah. Well, I come from a very small town from north of India. It's called uh, Narnal, and uh, there, uh, from in north, it's very common to uh, live in joint family. I also come from a joint family, and uh, I have three older cousin brothers, and all of them are engineers. So my family was like, uh, no, we have enough engineers. They are married to engineers, so now we want to have a doctor in our family. So, so they wanted you to be a doctor. Yeah, so they were training me to become a doctor, but I guess I did not do so well at biology and I was great at maths. <laughs> so I automatically uh, went into the engineering path. And when we talk about uh, yeah, girls going in the engineering or in technical path, so from my family, I was the first girl to go in that path. And uh, even now, if, when we see there are not so many girls in the technical path, in university, there were quite few uh, females with me. What was the kind of ratio or percentage of uh, how, how many were you in, uh, in the classroom? Uh? I think 10 to 15 percent. So it's about the same in, uh, in Europe. Uh, we're still struggling to have more uh, um, girls. In, but uh, I think in Europe, it's even lesser. Because uh, when I see, uh, yeah, the ratio in India versus here, here you find uh, hardly any women in technical 
education. Uh, not, not exactly in technical education, but more like the programming side of it. Yeah, yeah, I, I get what you mean. So you, you love the math and, yeah. and you say, well, I'm going to go in a computer programming and computer science uh, yeah. background. Um, how, many, how many years of, uh, you, you, you got a master or bachelor or something like that? I've done bachelor of engineering, so that's a four-year degree. Okay, okay. And, uh, and then you get, did you get passionate about uh, computer and, and programming stuff? Are you a geek? That's my, that's my question. <laughs> that, that the background well, maybe the question. you can call me a geek or nerd. I don't know, but I think I, I'll fit the category. Yeah, <laughs> you fit the category. Yeah. yeah so well, you, like, you like to dig into new frameworks, new languages, new yes. stuff, yeah. and, and put your hand into, uh, into, into new things like that. Yeah. So, for example, when I first started with uh, programming for iPhone, and yeah. well, not even for iPhone, first I started with Windows Mobile. And uh, then... Rest in uh, peace. I, Rest in peace, Windows <laughs> Mobile. <laughs> and I was using a Nokia phone at that time. Of course, it was using a Symbian OS. Uh, but uh, after uh, that first day of programming in mobile, when I was using the phone while going back home, I was thinking, oh, this is an application. Somebody developed this application, how it runs, what goes on behind that. So it, my mind automatically goes in that direction. And, so uh, it was kind of curiosity yeah, in a sense. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And especially if you work in uh, this environment or uh, which directly gets to consumers, then, I mean, of course, you are also one of the consumers. So you can... Uh, think both from developer and consumer point of view. Uh, will it make sense? Can I use it? Is it user-friendly? So, yeah, that's something I like. You told me that you, uh, you started with assembly language, assembly yeah. level programming. Yeah. Yeah, good, so good souvenirs. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was the first time like, I worked. Uh, uh, our client was a Toyota company. They build cars, right? And uh, I was writing a compiler in Lex and Yak language for them. Oh my it was God. a parser. The formal language stuff that helps you make a compiler, right? Yeah, exactly. Oh because uh, we used to get all the assembly instructions from them in uh, Excel files. But those files were in Japanese. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> that's, that's really cool. Yeah. yeah, I was writing a parser to parse that language, uh, those files. But, yeah, I don't know. I couldn't so translate one, Japanese. So it was one of your... First project to start yeah. with? Yeah. Oh my God. So yeah, Lex, La, Yak compilers and, and all the, with Excel files and, and information in Japanese. Yeah, right? it was so good. <laughs> it's it a, it's really a crazy project to start with, right? Yeah, but I really enjoyed it. And, uh, and you didn't quit, which is kind of cool with no, such I a didn't. project. No, I didn't. I actually completed that task, so it was good. Great. Cool. So that was about 10 years ago. That was about 14 years ago. 14 years ago. Yeah. I'm sorry. 2007. I make you younger than you are. Oh, thank so you. Kind of <laughs> 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 and um, so you started your career in India. Yeah. Uh, working for, I think it's a very big IT and uh, consulting company, which is, uh, which name is Ypro, right? I think no. it's. No. No, I started at Delphi Automotive Systems. Okay. And then you move to Wipro. Wipro, yes. Yeah, Wipro. And uh, I think it's huge, right? Wipro is 
Oh yeah, it's really huge. It is really huge. I, I don't know how many uh, how many employees, but it's kind of yeah. I don't know the number of employees now either. But it's a little uh, country, in fact. <laughs> it's almost a little country for us. Exactly. I mean, I was working in Bangalore, and in Bangalore itself, they have so many offices. And uh, I was mostly working at one office, and I didn't know uh, about other offices at all. And uh, I was in the office in Electronic City, and they had like 16 or 17 buildings there, and most of the buildings are high-rise, like with nine floors. Yeah, so it's a, yeah, it's a kind of small city. Exactly. City. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, what what kind of um, memorable souvenir you have uh, from that experience in India? Because how much how much time did you spend in India uh, building? your early stage career as a software developer? I worked in India for nine years. Nine years, okay. And uh, can you can you tell us how, how it was, how you, you climbed the ladder, uh, if it was possible, what kind of obstacles uh, you, you encounter at, 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 that, uh, at that stage? Yeah, so well, I, uh, I mostly worked there as a software developer and there I worked in various different languages and uh, I really enjoyed uh, the programming part and it was also very challenging. But after Wipro, I joined Philips and when I joined Philips, uh, it's a product company, right? And there are, uh, from the software point of view, there are people, but I was the only mobile app developer there. And then I started on a project and uh, it was in Philips Hue and then I had to travel to Netherlands. And when I came to Netherlands for the first time, then I noticed the difference in working. Until then, yeah, of course, I had only worked in India and I knew probably this is how things work uh, because uh, I, I'm not sure if you know, but in India, everything is like really micromanaged. Um, yeah, people keep, keep track of what time are you coming in office? What time are you leaving? Even though you finish all your work, but that's something which is noticed and uh, that's something which is disturbing. And when you, when you arrived in the Netherlands, uh, the, the culture and the management type was, uh, were very different, right? Yeah, I mean, from culture point of view, Netherlands Dutch are very direct. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, and after coming here, I realized that I fit into that culture more than uh, I don't enjoy office politics. Mm, yeah. You want to uh, you want to go straight and uh, and to say things uh, exactly. when it has to be said and transparency yeah. and and be kind of pra pragmatic. Yeah, and not, exactly. Uh, yeah. And same uh, like your question about climbing up the ladder. So it's always uh, yeah the the, the 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 biggest hurdle that I've faced is office politics in uh, climbing up the ladder. But that's same everywhere, whether India or Netherlands. It's just the same. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so you focused on becoming a mobile development and of a mobile developer. So you, you, which kind of technology, uh, native technology? So um, Swift maybe or Android or both of them or? Yeah, well, I started with Windows Mobile, as I said, and then I moved to iOS and there I was working with Xcode and Objective-C at that moment and then i started with android but ios is my love so i moved back to ios <laughs> and their objective c and uh, swift and uh, in uh, yeah in the previous years i've also worked on uh, cross platform using flutter okay right flutter i think uh, i heard it, it's a good uh, framework yeah it is a good framework i mean uh, because over the years there have been many frameworks but uh, i liked uh, flutter the most it's uh, 
Um, yeah, the integration with native languages is better. Because you have uh, other uh, frameworks like Ionic or stuff like that. And, uh... Yeah, there, there was also PhoneGap, Xamarin. Yeah. So. And uh, so I want to focus on when you arrived in the Netherlands. Uh, was it your first time in Europe? Yes, that was in 2012. So first time in Europe, relatively young woman software developer, probably without any uh, other contacts in the Netherlands, nor family, family stay in India. Uh, how were, wh what kind of state of mind at the, um, at this date, you, at this time you, you were in, you were kind of freaked out to uh, all kind of, on the contrary, very excited and very enthusiastic or can you tell a bit more about that? Oh, I was excited and enthusiastic because I was traveling outside India. But I was also very scared because I was going to meet the team and uh, I had not, uh, let's say, I did not even have meetings with the team when I was in India. I was going to meet them for the first time. So first time, yeah, first time you, you opened the, the door yeah. of the office and now this is your team and, yeah. uh, in flesh. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Thankfully, I had another colleague who could, uh, like from India, who was here and who could welcome me or take me to the office and tell me where my team sits. Otherwise, I didn't have that information either. Otherwise, you have to ask for at the front desk, where is my <laughs> office and yeah. where are my teammates and yeah. my colleagues. And, uh, exactly. And back then, Philips Hue team was really small, so there were very few people, and they were also very young and young and shy. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it was it was not like if you entered a U.S. company with like uh, everyone very expansive, very extrovert, and yeah. uh, and then exactly. uh, kind of freaking out. And um, last week we had uh, a clubhouse room. Uh, with uh, other software engineers, and we talked about the imposter syndrome. Um, did you did you f did you felt did you did you feel this uh, this syndrome at this uh, at this time? I'm not sure what you mean by imposter the, syndrome. I mean, the imposter syndrome is uh, feeling not ready or not enough good to fulfill any kind of mission because you put yourself in a kind of pressure mm -hmm. or in a kind of uh, um, standard and requirements against yourself and you're trying to push yourself and, 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 and you're freaked out of not succeeding. Yeah, you know? when I came to Netherlands, I did not feel like that because I was very confident with the iOS development. I mean, that always has been my, let's say, comfort zone. So that was something where I always felt comfortable, but there have been moments when I felt like that. But yeah. Uh, yeah, and explain that maybe maybe the time you became a manager. No, so not at that time. So I moved from mobile app development to cloud development because uh, yeah, I uh, uh, we are talking about climbing the ladder, and I've been talking uh, like I always wanted to move more towards an architect role because I wanted to stay in technical path. But the team I was part of, there were. Um, no opportunities for that because there are a lot of, there were a lot of senior people there so if i could make a switch to somewhere else there were more availabilities oh so you mean you couldn't climb higher yeah because there were already seniors in the position yeah. so yeah. you need to kind of move on the back on, on the side yeah. in another department yeah. and another and you you're telling me about the cloud yeah. uh, department the cloud uh, team exactly. right yeah. Okay. So when I was moving to the cloud, then I have never done. I had never done cloud development, and that was also that was really high pressure project. 
So I had a discussion with project leader and I was like, you know that I've never worked on cloud, but do you feel confident for me to start on it? Because there is a learning path and uh, you know it has to be delivered soon. But he was confident that I could do it and that gave me confidence. So it really helps to have uh, yeah, leaders like that. Supporting manager. Yeah, he was not exactly a manager, but more like uh, the one leading the project. So, yeah, it was really nice. But having a supporting manager definitely helps. And uh, I have had that uh, here. I mean, my previous manager was really supportive. So you moved to the cloud, uh, to cloud department, the cloud team at uh, Philips. Yeah, uh, Which is another Philips Lighting, which is another huge company. Um, and also, I'm in interested because uh, I know that we've talked about that you joined uh, some initiatives uh, regarding uh, women in tech. Yeah. Uh, I want to know first, uh, when, when did you start this initiative? Uh, at the start uh, of the beginning of your arrival in the Netherlands or maybe afterwards? Or, and, and what made you uh, start this initiative? And because it, it's time consuming... Uh, I think it, I suppose it's uh, you do that on your spare time. It takes your time, etc. So, what 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 are the motivation that lead lead you to uh, uh, to do these kind of initiatives? Yeah. So I first uh, joined uh, this Women in Tech initiative. It was organized uh, in High Tech Campus uh, in Eindhoven. That's where my office was. And uh, at the time I joined, uh, uh, so they had like two hours program and I joined that because I was interested to meet other women who are working in technical field. Because at work there are hardly any. And the difference of, uh, so when you, when you get into uh, Philips, mm -hmm. uh, the technical software development roles, there, there, were, there were not many uh, women. No, no. I, I mean, I and you say hardly any. Right. I worked in research department, and then there are hardly any. Okay, so you feel you felt kind of uh, lonely, uh, not to have uh, other women, uh, which who who you can discuss with. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, when I was talking about Philips Hue, when I came here first time in 2012, the team was really small. But over the years, the team grew, and I used to come here quite often. And uh, then uh, well, there used to be like 50 people in one room and all men and only I would be there. Uh, yeah, only one female. Yeah. So, yes. Of not course, they all are very friendly and nice. Uh, it did not, uh, I do not feel intimidated. But sometimes you just uh, miss that female factor. There should be somebody. Yeah, yeah. And did you... Did you encounter some inappropriate stuff or some I mean inappropriate that could be just like um, could patronize being patronized or or, or just uh, bad behaviors from men uh, uh. well I've seen that some men like like there is this um, uh, people think like women are not good drivers like uh, if you see yeah. women <laughs> yeah so uh, a lot of men have that uh, same misconception about women in tech too that they're not good uh, developers which is totally untrue uh, yeah I mean, <laughs> well, but I they, mean, some of them do and uh, i mean nearly 99 percent of the women i i i met in my career as software developer were 
very, very, very good. Well, and, that's uh, the so thing, right? Because there are so few women and it's very difficult to get into that uh, field, Yeah, you right? put the bar very high. Yeah, yeah. you put, uh, you have a lot of, uh, you put yourself in a pressure and you try to get higher and higher and higher because uh, you know that there is this kind of uh, bad jokes, bad behavior towards women software developer and, it's, and, and, and you get to make your proof. Exactly, it's like we have to continuously prove ourselves. That's, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, men don't, I don't know if they have that, but most of them don't. I got that. So you join um, this initiative, I think, uh, which name is Female Tech Heroes? Yeah, so first year it was called Women in Tech, and then uh, after that they renamed it to Female Tech Heroes. So in the first event there were about uh, 200 women. And then going forward, like we have had 600 women, and then uh, um, uh, so when in high Yeah, so they 200 they, women or 600 women. But they came from within yeah. Netherlands. They okay. are not all from Eindhoven. Yeah, so women in tech, I joined uh, well just as a participant because I wanted to uh, hear other women talk there, uh, like uh, hear their inspiring stories and meet other women in tech. But then uh, in Signify, I um, uh, in Signify I was chosen uh, for in Signify they were going to make uh, five uh, videos of uh, at different locations like in Paris and Eindhoven, Poland, etc. And I was chosen in Eindhoven, so uh, it's like I became face of Signify and uh, to attract more talent to Signify. And then female tech heroes, uh, they have uh, many ambassador companies and Signify is one of them. So they reached out to Signify asking if there is somebody in the company who would like to give a workshop there. And then my name was proposed. So that's how the, the so I arranged a workshop on Philips Hue where I uh, introduced, uh, well, yeah, what Philips Hue does because a lot of women still don't know about it. Because uh, when uh, at work uh, also we talk and then men are like, uh, they are buying all kind of Philips Hue products, but their uh, wives don't like it. So I wanted to check that what's the reason why do women not like it? Why do they not? Because my home is fully equipped with Hue. <laughs> I suppose you're the first consumer. <laughs> that's, that's cool. You're, the great, you're a great advocate. <laughs> So, yeah. to, for the record, uh, Philips Hue is, uh, is the branch of Philips that uh, makes these bulbs which are uh, different colors and maybe programmable, right? Yeah, maybe, and you can yeah, control you can them. You interact with an app and stuff like that. Yeah, right? exactly. And you can uh, create different schedules and you can control them when you're not at home, etc., etc. So, you so wanted I to know the consumer reaction and why the women uh, were not adopting the product, right? That, and I also wanted to hear their ideas that, okay, uh, what, what should we add to the product so that they will start adopting it? So that's so what it I had. Was a kind of, it was a kind of a feedback workshop, hidden <laughs> feedback workshop. Yeah, well, sense. of course, I was representing Signify there, right? So <laughs> I had to take most popular product of Signify. Okay, and you also did some kind of mentoring, yeah. uh, remote mentoring and stuff like that. And I heard about a program to help women to get back to tech after they leave, they leave for pregnancy uh, and stuff like that. Can you tell us more about? Yeah, so that initiative is called How I Can. It was started by two women, Sarah and Renee. 
and uh, well, they basically met at an event and one of them needed help with the scrum methodologies. So she reached out to her and then they came up with this idea, okay, I don't know what technical stuff, but maybe there are more women and we can help them out. So they started two tracks, one is for entrepreneurs and uh, one is for uh, yeah, the, the technical people, uh, which is uh, developers and UX. So entrepreneurs, they come there and they discuss their ideas and then they take up the idea take, uh, and then build a prototype with UX people. And then uh, for the developer, um, the, the women, there can be women who have been away from tech for a long time yeah, because of uh, pregnancy or because of sabbatical. Yeah, and they want to get back uh, to technology and technology is changing every single day. Yeah. Very difficult when you should you live just one year or two years. It's very difficult to oh, get yeah. back because it's uh, a train, a fast, uh, a fast driving train and technology. Yeah. So you you help them to get to to reach that train and to yeah. uh, to get back in the train. Exactly. So they are there, and then also the women who are rather new to tech, but they want to learn. Because uh, when I spoke to some women, they are like, they want to change their job and they want to move to this track. But the thing is, they cannot unless they have experience. So it becomes like, uh, yeah, the, the, the chicken, and, the egg, chi yeah, chicken, chicken and, egg and egg problem, problem. right? All right. Yeah. I understand that because we, have, we, we also have that in France. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, it's probably general, I mean, global, I mean, Technology is very appealing for people who are not working in technology and willing probably to reconvert themselves in uh, in technology. Yeah. Uh, becoming software developer and you have boot camps, you have different tracks and different programs and curriculum so that yeah. you can uh, change your life and your professional life. But um, it's, it's also difficult because uh, especially now we are during in a crisis and crisis involve crisis of confidence from employers and recruiters. That means that if you are, you do, if you don't have experience, it's very hard to get into your first job. Yeah, definitely. And uh, when I was talking to those women, I realized that there are so many things, right, for which uh, which are already like ingrained in me so much that I didn't even realize that for some people it might be so new. So, for example, just uh, uh, checking in the code to get how to make a commit, how to set up that environment in your laptop, uh, how do you use Jira. So these are some things which you think are just uh, the normal of today, but there are many people who are so new to it. It's, uh, yeah, it's strange because uh, lots of boot camps and programs uh, are focused on computer science basics. And yeah. and, and, and they, don't, um, they don't put these kind of... Uh, mandatory basic stuff to to know from exactly. scratch when you come and we we know of um friends of us uh in the u.s uh mm -hmm. on the on the west coast and they have uh, created a program which i talked to you about which is which name is collab lab mm -hmm. which is a program which help the the junior level software developer to really work on a first project with okay. everything they need to to set up everything and they need to do as if they were as if it was their first professional experience oh, you know nice. with 
with the commits, with the way of working with Git workflow, with the way of interacting with yeah. remote, with the meetings, with the code, the testing, the UI, UX, etc., etc. It's a real working environment. Oh, that's that's nice because that's the thing a good is, idea. yeah, exactly because you learn a programming language, but then you get into yeah, get into a job and there are so many things around it which you have to do. And deal. it's completely different from a tutorial or exactly. how to or book, just yeah. like not the same. Yeah, cool. tutorial of course you can follow at work too, right? I mean when you're working on the job, learning is one part of it. You work at Signify, which is a kind of branch of Philips U, or if it's, it's Philips U in a in a way. No, company, well Signify is the company yeah. and yeah. Uh, Philips U is one of the products. Okay. Okay. And uh, so you do your um, mentoring program for women in tech uh, for a couple of time now. And um, at the same time, you recently moved toward more, a more managerial role yeah. involving, involving more management. So you, yeah. you, you, you kept on climbing uh, the ladder, yeah. which is kind of cool. Indeed. And, um, and so you became a manager. <laughs> yeah, well, it's uh, more of a team leader because I still like to work with the team rather than managing them. <laughs> yeah, but and, yeah, and it's, uh, it's and one of the like technical. And you still like to be into uh, technical. Yeah, so I, in my new role also, I'm still very much involved on the technical part. Like, uh, yeah, I, uh, I'm not, maybe. I'm not, yeah, I'm not programming myself anymore. But there are so many things around. Architecture is one of it, and then uh, let's say if you have a website or an application that has to be deployed somewhere, that has to be deployed on the cloud. And uh, so I can use my previous experiences there because I have worked as a developer. I know how things work. I know what are the challenges. And uh, yeah, how can, uh, how can we find our way? GT Messi, in fact. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're the reference in terms of technical stuff because you've been there for a moment. And so you, 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 kept, you keep on the technical knowledge and uh, but you're not programming per se exactly i'm just not writing code anymore but uh, yeah i'm still involved it was interesting do you think you do you think do you prevent yourself from coding no i'm not preventing myself i'm just not getting the time anymore <laughs> okay okay because um because i heard in our last podcast we talked with ryan burgess from netflix mm -hmm. and uh, he, he's a real advocate into the fact that he's a software engineering manager and he doesn't want to code uh, because it's not his job and he tried to kind of prevent and he's a kind of advocate of software managers just stop coding do yeah. what do what you're good at which is uh, facilitating the relationship involve this kind of team spirit into the team resolve problem try exactly to, uh, overcome the problem and see yeah. them in advance to so that the project is were running smoothly yeah exactly i try to control myself from getting into uh too technical too deep technically like i know the problem i uh, i understand the problem i then i have to arrange uh, ways to get it resolved whether involve other people or uh, uh, yeah, direct uh, these people to the proper resources, but I don't. I avoid myself into getting into. Let's say, okay, let's look at your code. What's the problem? So I try to yeah, avoid because, that too. Because then you just solve it by yourself. But it's 
but then you are taking time from another another task yeah which are which 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 is a mandatory task for you and then you you may be uh, in a problematic situation because you have taken time to resolve a technical bug and and it's very easy it it means if you love technical matter it's very easy to be kind of swallowed yeah. to the technical uh, part yeah, and then and, forget and your management roles and uh, exactly. obligations right and another thing is that i want to the to my team also to grow right and then if i will start solving everything for them then then they will not learn yeah exactly so yeah. that's also that's also one thing which i have to keep in mind so now uh, so you've been managing how long have you been have you been managing or have you been a team leader uh, so in this new role i am i started in january but uh, last year also i worked uh, for a project as a project manager and i can uh, we we talk about but your your team is a kind of distributed team yeah. remote team yeah. uh, on one side because on one hand because we're in the middle of a pandemic but anyway, I think you have uh, you have teammates which are spread uh, all over the world. Like uh, I think you told me about China and other countries. That was for my previous project. Oh, it was like, the previous. Yeah, project. The, where I worked as a project manager. In that, uh, the team was distributed across Bangalore, Andaman, and China. Was it difficult? Well, it becomes difficult mainly because of the time zone, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because even now I have meetings with China and the US. And uh, meeting with China is at eight thirty in the morning, and US is in the evening. So yeah. So it's a twelve-hour amplitude. Yeah, sense. thankfully not every single day, but yeah, most of the days I'd like that. Do you think that um, first of all, do do you think that uh, managing a team with different culture mm -hmm. is more difficult? And yeah. the other question is that, and how do you handle it? And the other question is that also. The fact that you're from India and that you've worked in India and then you moved to uh, you moved to Europe and the Netherlands and you have you had to um, adapt to this difference of culture between India and Europe. Do you think it's an asset for you? And uh, do you think it has been useful for your way of uh, handling your team, which is distributed and multicultural? It's a bigger asset for me because uh, uh, the team in India. Uh, well, it's still part of Signify and I worked for Signify there for four and a half years. So when I was interacting with team in India, uh, it was the same team that I worked with. So I know so those easier. people so well. Yeah, so yeah. that's why it was much easier because, uh, well, yeah, I could uh, discuss with them anytime. I could ping them anytime. I could ask them anytime because, uh, yeah, it's, it's nice. But uh, with Chinese team, that was, uh, let's say, my first experience with Chinese team. And uh, I don't know so much about culture. So uh, if, uh, well, yeah, I don't know if it should, it should go on record or not. But <laughs> Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. It's a totally different culture. Yeah. Stay on that. Yeah. Um, but now that you've been in Europe and now that you are managing back Indian people in India, no, I'm Do you not. Think not no. Indian people in India. Indian people here in Indian. Okay, okay. How do you manage? Do you manage the Indian type of management when you said it was micromanagement and stuff like that? Or no. Are you more of a facilitator 
of a coach, of a team coach, etc. I cannot do I I cannot do micromanagement because that's something I definitely cannot do because I do not like it at all. So I if I if I even get into that path, I will notice it very quickly. So what is, what is your secret sauce as a software team leader or manager? Well, I I am a facilitator and uh, I. Uh, so for me, uh, the biggest thing is if I see a problem, I just talk to that person, just uh, ask for a call and discuss it with that person and try to resolve it instead of uh, waiting. Uh, okay, maybe that person will improve. Maybe the situation will get better. And in that call, just get direct to the point and don't beat around the bush. So you adapted to the, ne ne the Dutch way of managing. Yourself. I think I always fitted here better, and that was the reason I moved that, here. <laughs> yeah, that's what you said first at, yeah. at the start of our conversation. And um, so talking about this year that we've been through uh, from the beginning of this pandemic in March 2020 until now, and it's, it's still, it's still it is ongoing, which is kind of not cool at all. Um, How did you adapt uh, to uh, your way of management, your way of working? Did you find it hard? Um, did you find it not that hard in a sense and you adapted and your teammates were cool? So uh, what were the, the obstacles or the alerts or whatever? How did you, how did you leave this, this past year, which was like 10 years? Yeah, last year was, uh, I mean, when this pandemic started, it was, of course, uh, different because uh, we just got to work from home. And I used to call myself a social vampire <laughs> that I survive uh, when I meet people in Rio. So it was difficult, but that's fine because then uh, I was still working uh, for the same team. I was interacting with the same people. We knew each other so well. But now when I started in this new role in January, I started remotely, uh, then, uh, well, it was difficult to say the least because uh, there is an established team and there is a new person coming. And uh, I don't know, I cannot meet them. They cannot meet me. Uh, one thing which I try to do most of the time is keep my camera on so that they can see me. And uh, uh, it becomes easier to understand each other. And then uh, there is less miscommunication. But uh, it uh, still took time for the team to uh, remember that I exist, that there is a new person in the team and they have to adopt that person. So that, uh, that has been a bit challenging in the and remote maybe, environment. Uh, maybe it's, it's, it's uh, much longer to build something, to build a relationship, yeah. to, to kind of create a link. Well, definitely. I mean, I think right now, as I'm saying, right, it's about them realizing that I'm part of the team. Building relationship is still going to take longer. Yeah. 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 And uh, from your point of view, your, uh, uh, how, how the next months are, are, are going? Um, do you have a, a policy that will... Uh, I mean, I'm thinking about post-pandemic way of working. Will it be will it be flexi hybrid way of working or will you keep kind of remote? Uh, because I know some developers are very good remotely and they don't want to come back to the office. Yeah. And and some of them are completely the opposite. It seems it's very uh, dual. You know, you have you have black and you have white, and you have yeah. some of them which are which are kind of pissed off being at home and they really want to get back to the office to be. Uh, discussing at the water machine or the coffee machine and try actually 
field people and the pace of the office. What's your what's your opinion on that? Yeah, so for me, even now, I like to meet team once in a while. So if I'm doing this, that we go to office at least once uh, in two weeks so that we can meet each other. Last time or first time when we were all there together, some of them are working for one year and we're meeting for real for the first time. That's incredible. <laughs> when you think <laughs> But about finally, it. they got to meet. So that was great. And post-pandemic, well, I would like to leave it on the team if it were in my hands, but well, Signify is a big company and it's not in my hands. So yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it gets it. decided on the company level and then we have to go that way. And um, because I read a lot of um, article, um, prospective article about what would be the future of work, I mean, it kind of ideas like that and so many ideas, so many different way of uh, and possibilities and one of them would be to kind of if you go back to the office just to have office time and just to kind of get back in the front of a computer and just work yeah it it's office it's kind of useless yeah, yeah. and someone was uh, writing that we may have to reinvent what it's what it means to yeah. be in an office together maybe to trying to um Uh, generate some uh, way of new interaction between people. Maybe it could be brainstorming sessions or maybe it could be just like socializing and, and uh, talking to each other and creating link. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, but that's something which we try to do virtually as well because, well, yeah, like I said, if you have contact only over work, then you don't build relationships. Then you just talk about work and that's it. So we try to arrange virtual team drinks and... Uh, In our case, in case of Signify, for example, uh, it's a product company again, right? Uh, so whatever we are doing, we are working in software, but uh, it eventually deals with some hardware, with some product. I'm part of three different uh, team now. So there are, uh, I mean, my new office is a factory where there are so many 3D printers, which are printing stuff all the time. So whatever software we are working on, it eventually gets to printers. And if you're in office, it's, uh, of course, testing becomes easier because you can just send it to printer and see if it's working fine or not. But it's also nice to see the result of your work and the product that comes out. So, well, so that's why that's an incentive of being in an office. Difficult to, uh, to have when you work remotely, when, you're, when, it's, uh, when it's about uh, building Stuff. Yeah, exactly. Having a real physical thing that you can hold in your hand. Um, maybe in uh, a couple of years, if you can, what would be uh, the next step in this ladder? Um, you have seen very technical roles, software development, team lead, uh, in different departments. It's uh, mobile development, then cloud. Uh, maybe uh, change the other types of company because we, you have only been in very big companies, right? Yeah. At the moment, yeah. I have not, you have not tried startup way of life. No. Uh, it can be very up and up and down. What uh, what would be Sonia's uh, maybe little idea or next idea for the years to come? Some field that you have maybe never thought about or something which is very appealing and uh, maybe you can get a grasp on? Yeah, well, I mean, these ideas, like how I can, they excite me, right? I mean, these two women met and they came up with an idea to start something like that. And I hope that I can do something of my own to help out women. 
and uh, because right now we do help out women from female tech heroes also we uh, want to encourage uh, more and more dutch uh, women to get into technical field but i don't think we are there yet so i want to get to the root of the problem and try to fix it because the problem yeah in netherlands what i've understood from most of the people like uh, the dutch uh, girls like at school itself they decide not to go in technical path and uh, so you think the root of the problem is education right it's not really education but uh, it's something i think they they look at their family that uh, okay uh, maybe this uh, i my parents went in this path or they see all the women around them or they look at their friends they are not going in technical path then why should i so that's where uh, yeah things just uh, take a different turn mm. moving the the boundaries moving the frontiers and try to to make things move big to for young for girls to yeah exactly like 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 yourself in fact uh, yeah. you see you were good at math and and then I go to a computer science uh, track. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. From maths, so I want... You, you mean that in Europe, I mean, in the Netherlands at least, we are less advanced, socially advanced, mm -hmm. for women and in STEM and technology yeah. than in India. Oh, definitely. In your opinion. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Well, that's really, uh, that, that's really bad. And, and the, good, the good part is that there are a lot of room for improvement yeah but uh, it's really hurting and how how do you think men could be allies uh for that kind of uh of uh, initiative of having more women in tech and uh, um you because you don't seem to have suffered from men behaviors in oh, your career. no i mean uh, from there if we talk about gender bias right yeah then it's ingrained in people they don't realize it but it's just ingrained in them uh, they so for example then there are every company is running programs to hire more women and uh, men usually they say they don't have problem with it but when it comes to hiring women then their criteria becomes tougher and same way when uh, women have to move to higher level so then i wanted to move to higher level for me The biggest challenge that I was facing, I was like, uh, uh, men are aggressive and I cannot be aggressive. I have my own qualities and I would want to move that way. But then uh, my... Um, by, staying, by staying yourself. Yeah, exactly. But then my manager's manager told me that uh, you don't have to be aggressive, but you have to be assertive. So there is a difference in that. So uh, think about that difference. But when I went and talked about it and I discussed about it, then... The feedback I got was, okay, be assertive, but don't be an asshole. Yeah, that's <laughs> also what I read, uh, because I read a book uh, about that. And the, the women were, um, were telling their stories about how they climbed the ladder to become tech leaders. And uh, most of them were uh, having a, a kind of, a, they, they seemed to be a bitch, you know, bec because they were kind of just assertive. Yeah. Men, mostly men, just and other women also can feel that oh why why is she so rude or why is she so and and you can you you, you can just like and it it doesn't seem normal for a woman whereas for a man it's kind of accepted yeah. in the that's, norm. That's the thing, right? Women are uh, scrutinized much more than men are. They are uh, 
and so they try to fit in but I have realized that instead of trying to fit in you just have to be yourself because that's the uniqueness you're bringing to the table if you mm-hmm. become another man then what's the point so yeah just yeah exactly uh, but it's more difficult yeah it is much more difficult yes and because, uh, in the in the business in the in the world of being in the company world in the office world in the in this man world fact, yeah. uh, it's difficult for bringing a more subtle different point of view different empathy um etc etc and it's it's not well accepted because we have the gender bias yeah. which is uh, uh if you if you're too nice you're not leading you should be rude. And that's the thing, right? They're, first thing, they are scrutinizing women all the time. There are more women, uh, more men in tech world. So they expect a certain way of working. And uh, first, they don't want you to get there. And if you get there, then they're like, no, you're not meeting the standards. You are not, uh, you have to be more uh, strict. You have to be more like this. You have to get things mm-hmm. done. But I have my own way of getting things done. If it's not getting done, fine, let's talk about it. But uh, don't tell me to change my ways. That's all I say. And when we yeah. talk about gender bias, like yesterday, I came across an article. There, uh, somebody had tweeted it, and uh, they entered something in Google Translate in their own language, which is uh, which was very gender neutral. But Google translated like he works, she cleans. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so you see, even, just in Google. Google, yeah, Google Translate is uh, is uh, mostly very very biased. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Totally. Totally. Yeah. In the or, or he, he can be a software engineer and <laughs> she can be a cooker. Yeah. Or she can be a, a housewife. And, exactly. Uh, and, and 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 look after the children. Yeah. Totally. It was and very uh, surprising for me, to be honest. Well, that's another that's another thing about uh, uh, the next step for AI, which is biased uh, for automatic systems and and all the software which are just a replication of the way programmers program machines yeah which are just biased because men are biased yeah exactly yeah it's very interesting and uh, i do think that uh, we should men should be more advocates about that and i was really really happy to have this talk with you we could last uh, a lot of time because i'm passionate about that uh, those these subjects and uh, it was really really nice talking with you same here. Uh, Thank you. You can uh, find Sonia online. You're on Twitter, so I repeat her name is Sonia Kataria, K-A-T-A-R-A-I-A. <laughs> and she's working at Signifying in Eindhoven. And uh, she's online on LinkedIn and she's also online. You're on Twitter? Yeah, so I am. Yes. As well. As well. Thank you very much, Sonia. It was really nice talking with you. Same here. And, thanks uh, a lot for your time, Pierre. And thanks yeah. for having me. <laughs>